Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. My youngest will often say to me, Rebecca, Dad, can I ask you a question? And I can't help myself by answering, you just did. We often come to God with questions. And God's answer is always the same. God's answer to our struggles with temptation, God's answer to the power of sin, God's answer to suffering and death, God's answer to our brokenness, to our woundedness, God's answer to our inability to save ourselves, God's answer to our inability to deliver ourselves from death, God's answer to our hopes and our dreams and our prayers is always the same. The answer is the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus is God's answer to this world. It is the love of God. It is the mercy of God. It is the goodness of God. It is the sacrifice of God. It is the truth of God. It is God himself pouring out life for those whom he loves, which is you and me. The cross is God's answer to this world to our rejection of him. It is the acceptance of God. We reject him, and the cross is God's acceptance of us. Years ago, because I've been here almost 10 years now, yeah, I know. Years ago, I was in a church similar to this size and over the high altar was a life-size crucifix of Jesus. And I was hosting an ecumenical gathering of evangelical and Pentecostal pastors and lay leaders. And I was greeting people at the door, welcoming them in the name of Christ into God's house. And one particular Pentecostal pastor came in and he said, um, Michael... And I said, uh, yes, Jim. And he said, I need you to know I've been fretting about coming. And I said, there's no fear in the Lord. He says, oh, I'm not afraid of the Lord. It's your crucifix that really bothers me. And I said, I promise it's been up there for decades and it hasn't moved. And he said, and I've been asking the Lord to open my heart if there's something that I am missing. And he said, and I came in the door, and there was the image of Christ crucified, and immediately my heart was filled with the word that we proclaim Christ and him 
crucified. And he said, you cannot enter into this house of God without realizing that that's God's message to the whole world. The cross of Christ. The cross of Jesus. Romans 8, verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Now, what is Paul talking about? Paul's talking about that we have sinned against God. We are out of right relationship with God. And because we have sinned, we have introduced suffering and death into God's creation. It wasn't so much a punishment. I told you not to eat that apple. Now you're going to suffer and die. Right? It wasn't so much a punishment as it was a consequence. If God is life and we move away from God, we are embracing death. If God is wholeness and we are moving away from God, we are embracing brokenness. If God is eternity, and we move away from God, we are embracing this world. And it's a consequence of having moved away from God. And so the law was given by God in this world to teach us one thing. Does anyone know the answer? We couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't do it ourselves. We could not atone for our sins. We could not save ourselves. We needed a Redeemer who is Christ the Lord to come into this world with His love to save us. And so the law could not save. The law was our steward and it taught us that we cannot attain to God. And because we could not attain to God, God came to us in the person of Jesus. And so Paul writes, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, because of sin, could not do, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. This is what God has done. God has come into the world because we could not come to him, so he came to us. God has come into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, and he is confronting sin, suffering, and death himself in the flesh. And the ultimate victory of God is the cross. When he confronts sin suffering and death himself. Himself. It is the cross that saves and the cross alone. This is why we proclaim Christ crucified. Note that Jesus did not rise from the dead and say, ah, it is finished. No, he said it when he was on the cross. The resurrection is the first fruits of the cross of Jesus, the victory of God over sin and death. And what is God's judgment if we but trust in him? If we trust in the world, the judgment of the world is eternal death. But if we trust in the word of God, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, his judgment is one of love and forgiveness. 
in the cross. He took upon himself our sin, our brokenness, our shortcomings. Think about the last time when you cried out of pain. At the length of the sermon, you're starting to cry in pain. Is that... <laughs> right? The last time. Jesus knew your hurt when he was upon that cross so that that hurt need not be the final word in that moment over you. Nothing need be the final word in this world over you. Not your brokenness, not your woundedness, not your shortcomings, not sin, not temptation, not prejudice, not hatred, not um, whatever you're struggling with that you really don't want me to know about, whatever it is, that need not be the final word. God's final word is the cross. His son Jesus, the word of life and salvation. We cannot look upon Jesus crucified and not believe that God loves us. Many years ago, and some of you know this story, but there's enough new people now in the church that I'm going to tell it again. It was shortly after I was ordained, and I believed that my life as I knew it was dissolving away in my hands. All of my hopes, all of my dreams, my securities, my comforts, my desires, what I believed was God's plan for me, everything was dissolving away and I couldn't hold on to it. The more I tried, the worse it seemed to get. And my heart was not only tearing, literally I felt as if my heart was broken. I still believed in God, but I came to the conclusion that I didn't understand God. And I remember one day being in my office and I was so overcome by feelings of betrayal and, and hurt and the woundedness that I went into the bathroom. That's right, that office had a private bathroom, just saying, but anyway. <laughs> I went into the bathroom and I started throwing up. And I came to... This thought that, I, yes, I, Lord, I believe in you, but I, I don't get you. You want me to minister to your people. You want to minister me to minister in your name to the people who are struggling with sin and struggling with temptation and struggling with broken marriages and struggling with uh, sadness and struggling with deep woundedness and struggling with betrayal and struggling with death. You want me to minister to those who are grieving. You want me to do all of this in your name, and you don't have my back. Everything, Lord, is being stripped away. And I decided in that moment that I had had it. 
and that I was going to go into the church and I was going to go to the very gate of the sanctuary and look up at the life-size crucifix of Jesus, that I would look upon him whom I had pierced, and that I would say to him, I quit. It's not that I don't believe in you, Lord, but I can't do it anymore. I am too broken. I am too hurt. I am too lost. I am too sad. And my anger at God allowed my feet to have boldness to go into the church and to confront Jesus on the cross. And I went into the church and I went to the very gate of the sanctuary and I looked up at the cross. I always tell my oldest Sarah how dramatic she is, that she's uh, drama. I, I, I know where she gets it from now because I was just remembering I had a plan. I was going to take out the collar and, you know, you're watching, right? Okay. And I went there and I went before Christ crucified and I looked up and something overcame me and it was as if something was being poured literally into my heart and I fell on my knees at the gate of the sanctuary and I looked up at Christ crucified and I said, Lord, I still don't understand you, but I can't look upon you there crucified and not believe that you love me. And more than that, Lord, that you're in love with me. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think the difference is. You remember being back in high school and the person who's breaking your heart would say, but I love you. I love you too. I'm just not in love with you. Right. Um, <laughs> actually, I heard that a lot. Um, but Jesus that day spoke to me and said, I not only love you, I'm in love with you. And it, I came to understand that when someone is in love with you, they can't imagine their hopes or their dreams or their life apart from you. And so I realized that God was saying, I not only love you, Michael, I'm in love with you. I can't imagine eternity without you. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Lord, will you explain it? No. No. And I got up and I went back to work. This is the power of the cross of Jesus. The power to reach down with the love and mercy and goodness of God and lift us up out of sin, suffering, and death and to set us free. The cross is God saying, I am in love with you. The judgment that we deserve is poured out by the Father upon his Son, Jesus Christ. 
and the justice of God is satisfied, but then the mercy of God overflows from the heart of Jesus into the world. For me, the crucifix is the most precious and beautiful image in all the world. There's nothing more glorious than for me than the look upon Christ crucified. For when I look upon Christ crucified, I see God's wrath, the penalty for my sin, being poured out upon Christ in my place. That is love. Love is revealed as sacrificial in that moment. That is mercy. It is in the cross that the true heart of Jesus Christ, of God himself, is revealed. I see God confronting sin, suffering, and death. I see love revealed as sacrificial. I see the love of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God being poured out from the heart of Jesus upon me, washing away my sins and delivering me from death. I see the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the heart of God, the love of God, and the goodness of God all in one package. I see my rejection of him and his acceptance of me. I see myself being made whole by his brokenness. I see myself being healed by his suffering. I see myself being offered eternal life by his death for me. I see a God who loves me and is in love with me. I find my only worth and my only value and my only dignity in that the cross of Jesus makes me God's son. It is the point where we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of God's love, as it says in Colossians. Because of the cross, death is no longer the final word over me, or over you, or over this world, or whatever pain you are experiencing now, or whatever struggles you may have. Jesus says from the cross, I thirst. What was he thirsting for? No, who was he thirsting for? Was it not for you and for me to come to him and to receive that which he is offering? Did he not say, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself? I see my disobedience washed away by his obedience, my sins by his blood, my shame by his love. I see in the cross that I have a value and a dignity that's even 
higher than that of the angels because God himself literally loved me to death. Loved me to death. How many times have we said that? My church family, I love you to death. Sarah and Rebecca, I love you to death. I better love Christine or I will know my death. Pope Benedict, God bless him, first one to retire in centuries. I mean, what a thing when they elect you as Pope, because what they're saying is, we've chosen you to work yourself to death, literally right to the day that you die, right? And he said, yeah, not, not me. But Jesus literally loved us to death. He loved us to his death on the cross, and then he was raised in victory over death. And we live in the joy and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the joy of God. I wrote this many years ago after that experience that I shared earlier, and I want to end my sermon with it. I wrote one day while contemplating the cross of Christ. There is no compromise with sin in the cross. There is no exclusivity in the cross. He thirsts for all. There is no lack of truth in the cross. There is no lack of love in the cross. It is perfect truth. It is perfect love. There is no lack of divine justice in the cross. There is no lack of divine mercy in the cross. Our disobedience is overcome by his obedience. Our freedom is won by his being bound. Our pride is overcome by his humility. Our victory by his surrender. Death is conquered by death. The cross is God's final word. It is finished. And so today, we celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ, God's answer for this world, God's answer for you and for me. And we are a people who walk in the joy of that cross. For we are people of the resurrection, people who walk in the victory, which is Christ's. I lied. This will be the ending. <laughs> Do you know why? The, the Bible says this. It's in Hebrews. I'll give you that hint. Why did Jesus endure the pain and the shame of the cross? Does anyone know what the Bible says? It says in Hebrews that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. You are that joy. Amen.